Hello, and welcome to Champion Casters, a podcast about heroes and craft, where we analyze the motifs and themes behind your favorite film and television heroes, and everything we say is in Comic Sans. My name is Michael Ruiz. And my name is Joe Tomlin. And I've got a question for you today, bud. Sure. So, what was your first experience with James Bond? Either, like, the first movie? What were you doing when you first watched it? What is, uh, what's, what's your touch point here with these, uh, with these movies? Does Austin Powers count? <laughs> I mean, because I watched, right? I mean, I watched all three Austin Powers movies, I think, before I watched a James Bond movie. I couldn't tell you which one was my first, but it was pure, but I could tell you my first Bond experience was with Pierce Brosnan. Yep. Mm hmm. And the first full movie that I could remember is, well, Skyfall. Mm hmm. With, uh, our uh, our current and now maybe past bond uh mm-hmm. daniel craig yeah yeah now what about you uh i think the first one i ever saw was goldfinger and i think it was it was with my grandpa and i i don't remember much about it that viewing session i just remember thinking <laughs> I don't know if it was during this 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 sex scene or a different one. I just remember thinking, why is he licking her back? <laughs> As like a child, I was like, why? why? <laughs> like, <laughs> why? Why am I developing a back kink at the age of thirteen? <laughs> no, not even. I was. I must have been like eight. I feel like it oh, was God. just. It was just like that thing because it was just like. It would, they were just like grandpa movies because they were like as a kid I could even recognize it's like okay it's about like an old guy he like fights bad guys and he uh you know he 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 kisses ladies like yeah sure that's like what my grandpa likes right it's like my grandpa does that all the time <laughs> it's a grandpa movie <laughs> but I feel like as I got older though with James Bond in particular this property i should say is is one that i feel like exists in a really weird space where it's not that he has a devoted fandom so to say but he has some type of like ethereal presence that is uh i don't know like it feels like it feels like he disappears for a bit and then all of a sudden everyone's a james bond fan when a new movie comes out you know that's true that was me crawling out of the woodwork to see No Time to Die. <laughs> me, a man who has not seen Spectre. Yes, No Time to Die will make sense. That's how these movies work, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird how this is the only one that really. I guess we're just going straight into the we're straight into the next part of this. But it's weird how Spectre and No Time to Die are like borderline, like near, uh, like they're they're kind of in tandem with each other. Right. It's a direct sequel. Yeah. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for in that. Yeah, it, it isn't its own standalone story. I don't think I mean, oh, boy, I guess I'll show my 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 casualness in this James Bond fandom. But I feel like Daniel Craig's movies really try really, really hard to do that, to really tie everything together, you know, mm-hmm. in ways that like I I try to commend as a writer. But man, it feels kind of like a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's you know i couldn't help but think while watching no time to die which is of course the subject of this episode and full spoilers as is our podcast usually i couldn't help but think while watching this movie that it was trying really hard to be something more like the uh mission impossible series yeah especially with mission impossible fallout which feels like a sequel um to mission impossible five mm-hmm. which feels like it's in conversation with mi4 yeah yeah we're we're gonna let's 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 kind of start to get into this immediately hi everyone we're doing we're doing no time to die we're doing james bond this week i, I feel like if, yeah <laughs> do we do we want Woo! any more and do we want any more introduction synopsis than that do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah there you go all right there we go Full spoiler warnings straight out of the gate. We're going to spoil this movie. Uh, if you care about this movie, go go see it. It's like a I would give this movie a solid kind of kind of kind of thumbs up. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give it three and a half out of out of five um, missiles going into a nuclear silo. I would give it three out of five uh, poison plants. 
Uh, I would give it like three and a half out of five uh, children with the brightest blue eyes you ever fucking seen. Mm-hmm. I would give it three out of five doo-doos. <laughs> There's your spoiler warning. Wow, Michael. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Joe. Let's return to the previous one now that we've, we've warned the audience. What is... You were saying how these feel in conversation with the Mission Impossible movies? Right. Like, the Mission Impossible movies, for a good period of time, weren't, like, sequels. They weren't Mm -hmm. really in conversation with each other. It wasn't until Mission Impossible 5 that they kind of decided to do that, and then MI6, which is uh, uh, the most recent one, Fallout, Mm -hmm. which does bring elements of Mission Impossible 3, 4, and 5 together. And Mm -hmm. that's what this feels like. This series that was standalone for a while in conversation with our new cinematic universes thanks to the disney marvel monopoly james bond feels it necessary to also be its own cinematic universe especially now because specter was kind of in conversation with skyfall and now no time to die is in conversation with like all of them minus quantum of solace because we all want to pretend that movie doesn't exist (laughs) so yeah the thing about james bond as a franchise is that it works standalone it doesn't matter you're just following this character on another fucking adventure and so for me as someone who came into this movie only watching skyfall like maybe five years ago um (laughs) like twice five years ago i'm kind of like oh right they killed m um i remember that Mm -hmm. uh it got like it got personal we learned about james bond's family a little bit Mm -hmm. um i remember hearing about hearing some spoilers about sky about specter um and now we're here and now we're here in no time to die where they're trying to wrap it all up like there's trying this movie's really trying to be the finality of it because i mean i guess yeah we already did the spoiler alert james bond dies yeah Uh, you know i I actually wasn't expecting them to kind of commit to that i thought for sure he was gonna they, they were gonna kind of sherlock holmes it where he like jumps in the water or something and he just appears wherever you know weeks later or a helicopter comes out of nowhere something right Mm -hmm. or he like he's at like a french cafe with another woman and he smiles and looks at the camera and raises a glass of winks (laughs) for all you dark knight returns fans out there man we we dunk on that movie so much (laughs) okay dark knight returns does not deserve as much slack as it gets but there are, there are some goofy things that happen in that movie. Anyway. Oh, yeah, really goofy um, movie, things that happen in that movie. Goofy yeah. things happen in this movie, too. But we're going to get there. <laughs> totally, totally. And I think but I think you're right. I think to compare this to Mission Impossible is, is, is an apt comparison. Just because both of those movies... Like, and this is true of the Mission Impossible movies and what they are now. And also, I think, what James Bond movies were before Daniel Craig. Because while this is also a send-off to him, it's 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 very much indicative of like what this version of james bond is which is like he's like a bruiser this is like a big thing about this james bond he's like not a spy like he 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 gets in fist fights all the time he's very scrappy when he fights people he's kind of always running places like in the original james bond movies he's kind of like he's like methodical he kind of just goes from cocktail party to cocktail party to bad guy lair you know he's he's not he's not as much of in a hurry which like He's all like sneaky, trying to like look around a corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he's not doing that, he's having sex. Like th- that's like that's like old James Bond movies in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And I feel like hats off to fucking Daniel Craig because I feel like they do his action in a deliberate sense. Where every single time he fights someone, he rarely pants or he rarely he doesn't show exhaustion in the same way I feel like other action movies do. They really wanted to go for the hyper competent ability of him. So like every single time he's running. He never runs with, like, he's never breathing, it looks like. He looks like he's just, like, super mm-hmm. stone-faced, just, you know, going at it like he does not, felt, he does not feel pain or does not feel exhaustion in a way mm-hmm. us normies do. <laughs> yeah, and James Bond is a superhero. Basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I mean, that that's so much of these movies, right? Uh, these movies are, this movie, like, like, this movie is, like, nearly three hours long. If you see it mm-hmm. in theaters with previews, you were going to be in that theater for more than three hours. That is correct. And God, man, like this movie didn't have to be that long. There is a reason why editors exist. We got, we got, we got, run, we got chopped down that runtime. Mm-hmm. 
Because like so many of these movies, I get that there's spectacle involved with them. But man, mm-hmm. like sometimes just a whole set piece happens and then it feels like you're just bouncing from action set piece to action set piece, which like I, I get it. We all think Daniel Craig is both attractive and and tough, but they go on for a while. Yeah, they do. Like the like the opening scene of this movie is like that prolonged uh, escape scene between Madeline as a child and Remy Malik, and even that goes on for like a good like ten minutes for what is right. ultimately just set up. Right. And I, I I don't know, man. I feel like editors, what are you doing? <laughs> are we just... all this to set up a villain that only appears for like twenty minutes? Right. Yeah, he's and Robbie Malik only appears in like the third act. Mm-hmm. Instead, we're kind of still wrapping up like Blumfeld stuff from Spectre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess like yeah. How did you feel picking this movie up, not having the not having quite uh, Spectre knowledge, Joe? You know, not knowing the movie itself and like the contents of it, I kind of just didn't care. Mm-hmm. I I was content in, in understanding. Okay, Spectre is like the big you know rival terrorist organization that you know that uh that james bond and company have to fight against okay yeah. that's fine this this to me this feels kind of like classic james bond and that these are just some goofy villains yeah one's got one one's got like a bionic eyeball great they call him cyclops interesting choice <laughs> now interesting choice there the cyclops i know has a visor but with this i'm like with Spectre, I, I I just was along for the ride. I'm like, okay, I get it. He's going to fight this other bad guy organization. And then there's going to be this real big bad guy that he's going to have to confront in, mm-hmm. you know, in a prison. We all see these, like, epic moments. You see it in The Dark Knight. You see it in um, Silence of the Lambs, where you're confronting what is supposed to be this, like, ultimate version of evil. And, like, your mm-hmm. ultimate version of good is going to have, like, a conversation. When that moment came in this movie, I didn't know what to feel yeah because james bond like daniel craig's version of james bond in this movie is so weird because <laughs> because you you're supposed like james bond is known to be like suave mm-hmm. and suppose like that is like the pop cultural understanding of this character that's not mm-hmm. how daniel craig has played him for the last war on terror so <laughs> When he's interact, but when he's interacting with villains, particularly, he does become suave, at least in this movie. Yeah. So when he's confronting Blumfeld in the prison, I'm like, this is so strange. Why is he acting this way? Yeah. Is this a persona he puts on for villains? I don't understand. Are yeah. villains his kink? <laughs> like, I don't get it. <laughs> you would kind of think so, especially because he kind of gets uh, fucky with most of his villains, right? Mm-hmm. That's what Daniel Craig talks about, how he, like, makes out with all his uh, with all his villain uh, co-stars. Yes. You can only assume that, you know, there's got to be some intentional tension there, right? Uh-huh. I mean, it's sure as hell leagues better than his chemistry with his love interest, Madeline. I, man, I never saw her as not, like, like, she could be his daughter. <laughs> yes. And I'm just like, when I see them together, I don't see a couple. I see... Mm-hmm. I see, I see a man and his and his maybe daughter, and then when she has the kid uh, with them, it feels like oh they could be sisters, so they're like his children. <laughs> but no, I'm supposed to believe that. <laughs> I'm supposed to believe this relationship. Wow, the ultimate grandpa fantasy. I, uh. <laughs> it's I mean like this is not unique to these movies, and I it, this is just James Bond in a nutshell. But it is one of those weird things that. So much of this movie relies on their chemistry and their relationship with each other. It just it just never worked for me. And so like all those beats felt pretty flat because it's just it, it I, 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 I don't think they have chemistry, which is so weird because I feel like Dan, like you were saying, Daniel Craig has chemistry with everybody else. Even mm-hmm. in like the five scenes he gets with like, I'm sorry, like I'm not even five, like two scenes he gets with Remy Malik. There was more there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jeffrey Wright. I read okay. I read his relationship with Jeffrey Wright, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Wright's character Felix, mm-hmm. as more intimate than this relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When Logan Ash is like, uh, you know, do, don't you have a brother? And he's like, I did have a brother. I was like, that's not a brother. That's his boyfriend. <laughs> like, yep. Mm-hmm. I was like, James Bond, like, I did have a boyfriend. His name was Felix, and I pushed the car on him. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. like a there's like a share of mutual respect, mutual understanding. The way they speak to each other, it's like it's like uh, speaking with your ex, right? But not like an ex that like you 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 broke up with because you don't want to be together anymore. But like you broke up with as a matter of circumstance. So you're like, oh, okay, you know, I'm gonna kind of still flirt with you, and you're gonna still kind of flirt with me, but we're not gonna we're not gonna be together in an official capacity. But we definitely still make out on the side. <laughs> That is how that is how Jeffrey Wright and Daniel Craig play those scenes. We're gonna stay in the same hotel together, but that's only because we're gonna be in the same location for a short period of time. <laughs> um, yeah. and then yeah. and then he proceeds to be like, then they get like asides when they like whisper to each other into each other's ears the whole time at the bar, and I'm like, this is, <laughs> I feel, I'm feeling the charge. Right. I would watch this movie. But, right. I would watch. Yes, I would watch James Bond and Felix. Felix is the Bond girl. Mm-hmm. Robbie Malik is the Bond girl, as he said it uh, <laughs> off camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Madeline, <laughs> yeah, not not Madeline, not it just it just. Which to be fair, she's a great actress, and I oh, think she does wonderful. a phenomenal job. Yeah, Leah Sudo is wonderful as a uh, um, as Madeline, mm-hmm. and I um, gosh, this. Is... Yeah, you're right. Like I don't entirely buy it, especially when we like. They're not together yeah. after the first act. Yeah. And that second and third act is a long time. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. Five years. Mm-hmm. God. Okay. Like maybe this is, this is backing up a little bit to what you were talking about with the, 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 like what Spectre is and what the villains of these movies are. And I can't help but feel like every single, the problem with, I feel like a lot of these movies, especially with Spectre and even with Skyfall a little bit, is they feel like a lot of them are trying to have a, like a, a punctuation point at the end of them. Like, oh, this is the last Bond movie because they're all trying to kind of one-up each other because so much of these movies rely on spectacle and novelty and all those things that I think, you know, not are inherently, not, aren't inherently bad, but when you're trying to do a long-running series with a, with a, a uh, cohesive canon, it, it starts to fall apart a bit. And I can't help but feel like all the shit with Spectre because, like, there's so much that gets retconned from those early movies as a result of, you know, his brother, who's just Dr. No, being like, oh, I was there the whole time. I think he says, Inspector, I am the author of your pain. You know, I, I was there. I was there to stop your first girlfriend. I was there to stop your second girlfriend. I was there to, you know, steal your toilet paper out of your bathroom. <laughs> Remember when you fell down those stairs, Barry Allen? It was me the whole time. It was me. <laughs> yeah, it's some reverse flash shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, look, once again, this is one of those spaces where it's like, sometimes as a writer, I get stuck in those holes too, where I'm like trying to make it all make sense in my head, where I'm like, okay, but if this is true, that means that I have to go back and change other things to make it make sense. And sometimes you just have to accept you didn't think of that back then. <laughs> Or maybe you, because you're working in a standalone series, and this is the first time you're directing a James Bond movie, and the only time you're going to direct a James Bond movie, mm-hmm. you only have one shot at it. So you don't have to make everything. Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah. It's a real failing of canon, right? Of trying to make everything tie back to one thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so much of this movie is also trying to explain that and bring that up to speed so that there is, once again, that extra bit of spectacle and finality to this movie. And, man, I just I just think if you if this this is the fun thing of vignettes, right, where you don't have to worry a vignette and anthology approach to storytelling, which is what some Bond movies can be, where like you don't want to worry about the previous mission. It just was was what it was. Mm -hmm. And when you try to do it like this, like once again, like I. I, I get it. I understand it. But man, <laughs> man, does it feel weird that like, oh, okay. So if it really was this person the whole time, why have we not heard about this for three movies? Right. <laughs> there's no, there's no, there's no, cohe- it really feels, those movies felt less cohesive. Now those previous movies feel a little less narratively tight, even though like as someone who kind of watched the bulk of these uh, Craig movies, I'd say Casino Royale of all of them, is definitely the one that holds up still, even if it's the most disconnected from uh, the canon now. Wow, Casino Royale over Skyfall, spicy choice. Yeah, it's kind of like, I think of Casino Royale a little bit like Kingdom Hearts 1, 
you know, g- you follow me on this tangent. This is for like two of our listeners that are understand James Bond canon and understand Kingdom Hearts. That I'm about to go on this small thing that Kingdom Hearts one has a very special place in the fandom because it's probably the most irrelevant storyline now because right. Kingdom Hearts has just expanded into such a different beast that like whatever happened in the first movie or in the first game really doesn't matter. But when you go back and play it, there's still a, there's still, because it was lower stakes, it doesn't feel as nonsensical. Are you telling me that when I inevitably play KH3 on the Switch, it's going to be like watching No Time to Die, Michael? <laughs> you know, a little bit, yeah. I mean, I like KH3 more than I like this movie, but a little bit, yeah. God damn. <laughs> You're telling me I really need to play 2.8 now, don't I, to understand yeah, this? You gotta play 2.8, play that, like, three-hour storyline. <laughs> 2.8 and Dream Drop Distance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm sorry, listeners. I'm sorry we alienated you. Please come back. <laughs> yeah. Please, yeah. come back yeah. to me. Back to, back to James Bond for a second. But I, I do think that it's just... That's, like, not the, the, the enjoyment I get out of these movies. Maybe that's worth talking about for a brief moment. As then, like, what is it about these movies that you did find enjoyable upon, like, coming back to it? Or even Skyfall, from what you remember about it. Oh, I really just love the 9-11 allegories going on and War on Terror <laughs> shit. No. Um, I liked how personal it was. I liked mm-hmm. that James Bond became, like, a person and not, like, this idealized figure. Yeah. And I know that that's the shtick that this series, this particular run of James Bond is is going with. That's the whole point of the Daniel Craig stuff. This is personal. This is intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, this Bond can be broken. He can die. I get that. Um, but I do like how it's personal. So like in that, I was really excited for the moment in this movie when James Bond was going to be Blumfeld because I know they have a personal connection, not just because of Dr. No, but because of, I, I know about the twist and Spectre. Yeah. And, and so I was really looking forward to that and I didn't really care even knowing yeah. that. And yeah. I was so upset. Yeah. It, it's not any better in Spectre. I'll tell you that much. Like it's, once again, I watched that movie. It's, it's, they just kind of drop it. They're just like, Oh, I'm your brother. Kind of. I'm your foster brother, except we're, we don't interact like siblings do. So it's like, well, it's not hard to sell me on a on a antagonistic sibling relationship, but you're really failing it here. We were brothers, technically. Do you remember my name? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, then, we're brothers. <laughs> we're interconnected not, together. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just doesn't. It just doesn't work. And I feel. And but I, I do think you're right. Like I think the attempt to humanize James Bond and try to put him in these spheres. I think also has to do with like how the action in these movies, the fact that they are action movies, really does kind of play into that. In that, you know, even though he is, un- he's he's very uh, powerful. He's not one hundred percent unstoppable, as he does kind of get his. He does get beat up every now and then in one of these movies, like when he fights Dave Batista, Inspector, and he kind of gets his uh, he kind of gets his ass kicked for a bit before winning that fight. In ways that I also like, and I think is interesting and a more fun movie to watch, but. Uh, I couldn't help but like feel like, especially with like how he's presented and how he kind of every single time he's shirtless, he like has new wounds open, he has like scars and stuff. I couldn't help but get like a weird feeling that he kind of almost has like, um, he kind of almost feels like a vet rather than like a spy, where it's like he keeps going on missions and then he keeps like he he keeps being conflicted by his service. And he keeps trying to get out, and they keep trying to bring him back in. Yep, the War on Terror uh, Bond. That's what it is. <laughs> I mean, yes. It's, I mean, I keep joking about that, and that is an aspect at play here. Another aspect at play is the fact, uh, to bring a point that you brought up earlier, each of these last three Bond movies feels like it's trying to put a period on mm-hmm. this, and that's because Daniel Craig has been so flighty about coming back as Bond and renegotiating. Yeah. Skyfall could have been the end. But then th- he was able to come back for Spectre. Spectre could have been the end. But then he was able to come back for No Time to Die. And now he's like, nah, I physically I cannot do this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go play. Um, I, I'm gonna go have the funny accent in the mystery movies. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do now. <laughs> mm-hmm. By the way, I'm go- I I want to bring Anna Darmus into this one while we're at it. Oh my god. Maybe we yeah. should talk about that. We maybe we should talk about the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, best scene in the movie. Best like. 
15 minutes that she's she's in god i was like blown away how much i was like okay don't get your because you'd warned me before going into the movie that she's like she's only in like the movie for like 15 minutes so don't go into high expectations but man she was so fun when she was on screen right when she appears at first i'm just like is this a trap and mm-hmm. like playing with that tension for a while just to realize no this girl's just really excited yeah <laughs> yeah she, she just got she just left training she's got three weeks of training she's so ready for her first mission yeah and she fucking kicks ass kicks ass yeah yeah she yeah. gets like a cool action set piece her fighting mm-hmm. feels really dynamic it doesn't feel <laughs> like weirdly like forced or staged it's like it's 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 i have like nothing more to say about it other than that it just feels super stylish and cool like it was so right. cool just to watch her kick ass. Mhm. Uh, yeah. And also and also while doing the the very fun thing of having them also like bounce and do kind of small comedic beats in between the fighting where they like stop to get a drink real quick and they go back to right. fighting. Mhm. It's like a it's like a pretty like once again like these how these movies are just action set pieces. This is a pretty solid one. This is like this is like the movie at its best, I think. Yeah. I would agree. This is the, the scene we're talking about is more towards the middle of the movie, right? Uh, hard to know, and I get lost in the timeline of this movie. It's like in between the first and second act, mm-hmm. somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, these are like, it's one of, I would say, three great action set pieces. The first one being um, the escape from the escape from Italy in the car, mm-hmm. I thought was really awesome. Um, and then this scene. And then the the stairwell fight at the very end. Why are stairwell stairwell fights are really popular, and they're <laughs> never misses. I love yeah. them every single time. I don't yeah. know why. I just do. Yeah, perhaps there's something like the ability of like there's such a crunch to stairwell fights, you know, because like you know someone's gonna get thrown off the banister, you know someone's gonna get kicked down the stairs, and maybe mm-hmm. it's just because like that's such a i don't know like maybe it's because like it's easy to visualize and it's easy to feel that when someone gets kicked down the stairs i don't know everyone's always some everyone has missed a step once in their life right and hit their knee against the step and been like oh wow that really hurts imagine falling or being or fighting someone or getting kicked against it you know mm-hmm. and so maybe it's right. the relatability and immediate understanding of it Mm-hmm. or just shout yeah. out to your foley artist yes there's that um and it's like stupidly easy to block and create tension because yeah. you know the direction your character is going to go and there mm-hmm. and there's plenty of opportunity for them to face opposition and they're yeah. either going from left to right on a flat on a flat part of the stairwell or they're facing adversity going up the stairwell totally either yeah. way like that tension builds on itself yeah Yes, yeah, super easy, good visual film language to kind of use where it's like if, essentially if you're like the character is ascending up the stairs, then they're mm-hmm. like probably generally winning the fight. If they're getting knocked down back the stairs, that generally means they're losing the fight, right? Uh-huh. And it's a very easy visual language to communicate in the middle of the fight, right? Mm-hmm. As a result, I think that's what makes it uh, that's what makes it feel so uh... I guess we talked about this before where it, Another part of action scenes that maybe don't always get talked about enough is like how well are those visual beats communicated? Because that's really what makes the punches feel like they land. Mm-hmm. Which is why like shaky cam stuff kind of feels so bad sometimes. Because it's like I don't know what's happening on screen. It's mm-hmm. I'm I'm just seeing blurs like bump up against each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, in contrast to I guess a different action spy movie, I know Kingsman. They have the church scene which is very famous for kind of keeping the action on one person the entire time. Right. And so once again, maybe it's just that very good visual language of like, here's the action, you know exactly what's happening and you could follow it and clearly see when it's going well and when it's going, when it's not. Right. Honestly, like the stairwell fight was also solid and you know that they wanted, they wanted to sell it cause they end with the bond shot. Right. Right. Uh, or they, what's it called? It's like bullet hole scope something like that sorry to disappoint that we don't know this term but you know what we're talking about <laughs> yeah the barrel the ba- oh barrel that's it yeah the barrel shot yeah yeah it's a barrel of a gun yeah it i mean it, and i and i agree like i do like this version of james bond more it's hard not to also see these movies uh as extensions of the the born ultimatum trilogy because right. like that had come out like a couple years before casino royale so when people saw mm-hmm. this movie it's like oh yeah like yeah we're doing action now people are getting knocked to the ground and fighting on the ground in these movies now right yes and there's a bit of a shaky cam when they're on the ground yeah 
and 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 people are getting like smashed into objects too. It's like a mm-hmm. fighting game where you pick up things and you smash people with them. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, there's there's some influence from from like kung fu movies in that. Yeah, of course. Um, that that type of stuff has existed previously, but um, within the genre of of spy thriller, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. And now James Bond, the epitome of spy thriller, has has taken that on and will likely move away from that to whatever the new shit is. Yeah. Um, maybe just just like how they were late on the James the the Jason Bourne stuff, maybe they're gonna start doing the John Wick stuff. <laughs> Where everything's about gunfighting. Mm-hmm. Gun punches. Yeah. I mean that that is part of how that stairwell fight also felt, right? Mm-hmm. There's absolutely some John Wick vibes in there and how he was using the pistol. Right. As as you know, as an extension to just fight all the people mm-hmm. in that stairwell. Still really right. good. Not not a bad thing to pull from. It, the, you know, I mm-hmm. guess when we compare it to John Wick, that's probably a probably a kinder sentiment than not, but it's still present. Like this is this is the way action movies are going. Mm-hmm. But I guess, the, like I said, the main thing that I always picked away is just the idea that Bond is such a bruiser in these movies. He's meant to be kind of more of a uh, a maverick style punching out people rather than just uh, you know the suave spy that is that is more indicative of uh, like Pierce Brosnan or even Sean Connery for that matter. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I guess this is, this is slightly a side tangent, maybe. But do you like spy movies? Like, do you watch spy movies on the regular? I wouldn't say on the regular, but I do like them. I enjoy them. I guess I like to criticize the political aspects of them mm-hmm. uh, and the political motivations. I think it's very interesting. Our final, our final film and our, our final shot for this is on like disputed land between like China, Japan, and Russia. Were those the three countries that were involved? Something like that. Yeah, it's like a weird combination of countries that are fighting over this stupid fucking island. And mm-hmm. and then Britain's like, we need to blow it all up. <laughs> and <laughs> James Bond's like, we need to blow the place. Mm-hmm. And um, my fucking awful James Bond impression of Daniel Craig. Anyway. You're good. Um, You're good. I knew what you meant. We need to blow up the place. Uh, <laughs> blow it all the smithereens, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I say, I say. I say, I say, I say, Madeline, I love you, and the kid has beautiful <laughs> eyes. You redub the movie, and I want to make it Benoit Blanc instead of instead of James Bond. <laughs> I think that'd be fucking great. I would watch that cut. Benoit Blanc, uh, yeah, you know, Benoit Blanc wouldn't have died before the finale. That's true, he wouldn't have. And an armist would have came in and saved him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, they would have a scene where she's like, you, you know, you're not much of a spy. And he's like, you know. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> because he also isn't. <laughs> no. Not really. Like They call him agent. And that's yeah. because agent could be anything. You're just, mm-hmm. you're, you're just, a, you know, property of the state. And even then, yeah. he works for the CIA at some point. Which is like, okay, dude, whatever. You do what you yeah. want. Yeah, it's, it's it's one of those weird spaces where like I do I do think that in that aspect it does feel like a spy movie in that uh nobody here is a is like a is trying to be like a morally righteous agent, so to say. Because mm-hmm. uh like this movie at least knows that these secret services uh, I don't know if they always know, let me take that back. They're on the track to knowing that secret services are bad. <laughs> yes. And so the nature of James Bond's work inherently kind of like fucks him up a bit. And so like, mm-hmm. I do enjoy that aspect of the movie. It's just, we don't ever, we don't ever really get any plot lines in it that don't go beyond like the normal James Bond villain where we have like fucking Remy Malik playing Dr. Poison where he's just like, I have uh, my poison garden that looks like <laughs> a Zen garden. Come, come with me, little child. I'm going to bring you to the decaying part of my poison garden. <laughs> don't worry. It won't kill you, but it will kill you. But don't touch it. But touch <laughs> it. But don't touch it. All right. I'm going to let you go now. Bye-bye. Like, <laughs> yeah, <I> just, <laughs> my, you know, I, 
I'm admittedly charmed by him, maybe because like I have I have an anime flair to me. So like he just reads to me like the biggest anime villain that like I have one personality trait and I or I have one interest I made in my entire personality. <laughs> it's like I like poison. Poison is my whole being. <laughs> Look at me, I've got the cool mask and it's kind of broken. Edgy, isn't it? <laughs> Like those are his those are his two moods this entire movie <laughs> right he's not in it for that long so you don't have to worry about it getting old but yeah he's just completely one note a very loud character i will say but completely one note mm-hmm. you know uh. does a villain need to be more complex than that yes but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie when at the end of the day like the villain doesn't matter this is just supposed to be really a spectacle in honor of daniel craig's run yeah and i think to that extent it does a pretty decent job i think this film separates itself from the rest of the series to my knowledge Mm -hmm. as being one that's closer to traditional james bonds than the others Mm -hmm. and that's fine yeah it's 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 trying to it's trying to kind of do the thing where it's trying to really sit down and incorporate everything people love about bond in general into one movie which is maybe mm-hmm. why this movie is so goddamn long because they're trying to have a little bit of everything right mm-hmm. and i i guess i guess i think it works but also i think it, it feels weird because it's just like it tries to have every single plot line imaginable because yeah. like these movies have so many themes and motifs put into them mm-hmm. that like god i it, it can't always keep all of them straight or doesn't try to do any of them simultaneously with each other because they're no. trying to do this thing where it's like with Remy Malik's his whole thing is that like, you know, oh, we both harm people. You know, we both we both we both bring about destruction wherever we go. And to the point where like that is the underlying point that he potentially dooms James Bond with that like, oh, I'm going to hit you with this poison that you literally can't get near people you care about anymore. Mm-hmm. And also there's this like theme about like the next generation, which is like the whole theme with Anna Armas and the new 007 uh, played by Lashana Lynch is that like, oh, there's this, also this new wave and you're kind of an old relic at this point. It's not that like I don't think that these things can simultaneously exist with each other. They just don't. They just choose when to talk about them and then they, the film just promptly drops them. <laughs> until it's ready to talk about them again right it just like the themes don't feel consistent because the movie's so long and they decided to throw every theme like you mentioned earlier they mm-hmm. also tried to do the they're like we're gonna question the roles of these these government agencies and organizations they have too much power why did the government organization create the poison in the first place well it was supposed to help people just like the robot dogs now mm-hmm. like <laughs> you know um we have we have our classic Bond girl, but we also have our kick-ass Bond girl, and then we also have our Bond boy with Felix, and then we have, <laughs> and then oh by the way, the Bond girl also guess what Bond is, he's single, he's flirty, but he's also a dad, and <laughs> oh god, <laughs> and he's a bad dad, but he's trying to be a good dad, mm-hmm. but he's really a bad dad. Yeah, it's just. It's it's just that whole notion, right, of like, oh, I, I can't be near my child because I'm going to hurt this child, but so I'm going to not be a father, even though I want to be a father. And it's like, come on, James, you just you got to get over yourself a little bit, buddy. <laughs> and then, no, and then he just said, well, I might as well die. Well, I guess, guess I'll die. <laughs> I guess I'll gets die. blown up. <laughs> And that's okay, and that's really interesting. Maybe maybe it's worth zooming in on that for a brief moment, just because, you know, I will say as someone once again, I, I, I watched these movies again, and my the moment the only moment that really kind of hit home for me was Q staring at his desk, talking to Bond, being like, and, and you know Bond's asking him, kind of like pleading with him, like you know, is there any way I can get this off of me? And Q's like, no, like, I keep telling you this. Why are you, you know, like, why, like, what is it ideal to get you get this straight until Q figures out why he's asking. And you see Q and like choking up at his computer, like, like, like veins popping, starting to ugly cry, be like, fuck, like, I, I really don't like you, James Bond, but I kind of care about you. And 
you know, because I've just been around you for so long. And that relationship, all like that little tiny nuances of that performance really made me feel something in that moment. Because it's like, oh, you you, you do genuinely care about this person. <laughs> right. And that was such a smart move on the writers and directors and, and the actors part. Because this is the one, these, this is the only relationship that's a through line between the last three movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? They literally begin with also the notion that, like, oh, yeah, like, I don't trust you because you're so much younger than me. Also, uh, we don't, there's some type of mutual understanding we have to come to each other. And also, yes, you are the person who helps me even if we don't like each other. Even if, <laughs> like, temperament were off, there's still a moment where we are forced to work together and even if you don't dislike your, even if you kind of like are frustrated with your coworker, you're, there's part of you that still understands because you have the same fucking job. Right. And so, like I said, Q getting choked up at his computer screen while talking to Bond was probably the big moment that I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's where this is starting to hit me, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and him not knowing what to say in that moment is like, oh, yeah. Yeah, because Q also thought Bond was kind of invincible, too. Right. And it's just, it, that's like the moment it starts to feel tragic because it's like, oh, yeah, everyone believed you were getting out of there mm-hmm. and, and, and you didn't. But then they had to pivot to the fucking family shit. Mm-hmm. You had to be like, oh, I just, I'm, all the time I had was, was, was best with you. And I'm just like, man, I, I, I don't buy Not this for me. Not for me, dude. <laughs> I don't buy this relationship. And and maybe maybe that's just me being a little bit cynical because like like think like you said like there's that other theming of like secret services and this type of a uh, small bit of camaraderie almost within those small circles and how like the nature of their work cuts them off from everybody else so the people mm-hmm. don't really understand them are the coworkers and mm-hmm. so like the tiny moment they have where they like have a funeral for him in like a uh, in just the uh, M's office like cut off from everybody else. I was like, "Oh, yes. That makes sense cuz these are ultimately these are the only people that cared about him." Right. You know what they really should have done? What? You know, um instead of having like uh James Bond like talk to like Madeline and mm-hmm. uh and their daughter, it should have been like a Force Ghost version of Felix. <laughs> <laughs> the best times I ever had were with you, Felix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't believe that because they sold it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, who cares? Like this, you. We have a guy with a poison garden, like with a giant Zen poison garden. Are you telling me ghosts are off the table with his like evil twenty three and me plan to destroy the world? <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's right. The villain is is twenty three and me. <laughs> what if the government weaponized twenty three and me? Oh, Basically. This is- this move, this movie is, no pun intended, a QAnon <laughs> conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. I it Q's just... out here. Q's out here trying to crack the code just so he can put it on fucking Reddit. Just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, Q probably does spend too much time on Reddit. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I mean, it's just it once again. It's very loud. It's trying. It's like maybe that's like a part of the reason why I do feel like, I mean, I get he's a Bond villain, but like his whole plan to be like, oh, I'm going to destroy. I'm going to destroy the world is like, I feel like you just got done describing how you're like very specific. Like that's what makes you a similar to James Bond is you're very good at killing specific people because of the whole like DNA thing. Mm-hmm. But now you're but now you're just destroying the whole world. <laughs> Right. You know, this escalated the way that it needed to for a Bond film. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, Robbie Bollock did accomplish his goal. Um, yeah. He killed all of Spectre, mm-hmm. who were his enemies. And yeah. now he wants to kill James Bond because James Bond got him in the way. Got in the way. Yeah. Like, it didn't need to be... Um, oh, gosh. It did not need to be the world. It's just he's maniacal, therefore world. Yeah. And then he is, he also has, like, this weirdest obsession with Madeline. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's that other part, too, where it's like, I own you. Uh, I, I You know, I, I saved your life, which means I own you now. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me? Which, like, 
I thought the film was going to go somewhere with their relationship. No. But no. No. We can't do two things at the same time. Oh, we can't unpack this, uh, this problematic thing that we're kind of trying to address, but not really going to. Yeah. Yeah. Which, like, once again, why have it in the movie then? <laughs> Other than to try to, like, the only way I can, I can think of it is to try to be, like, sensical about, like, the plot to understand, like, why is Madeline here? How does she get involved? And that's like kind of like we're going back to the whole retconning thing where it's like if you try too hard to make your movie make absolutely perfect sense, at some point it's going to – things don't make sense. Like why didn't they take the eagles all the way to Mount Doom? Because we wouldn't have a story then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which like I know people theorize for a bunch of different reasons. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. Right. And so, yeah, I guess maybe it's arguing against the wrong thing. But it does feel just like – it just feels so extra padded, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's no room for, there's not a whole lot of room for subtext, I guess. Or even the smallest forms of subtlety, because, like, it's more than just having such a blatant metaphor. It's having every single scene explain the metaphor <laughs> and explain why characters are in places that they are. Yes. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's it's the more, it's the more... I don't even know, like, what would we say, like, the handholdy parts of the movie? I would say the parts of the movie where it gets caught up with itself. Yeah. Yeah. When when the movie is basic, he's in, he's in Cuba, and he's at the bad guy meeting. And now there's this person who's supposed to guide him and help him safely through the bad guy meeting. Very simple. We understand the stakes, and the action is fun. Mm-hmm. And the characters are fun. Yeah. We're going up a stairwell. We understand the stakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. We get we get that. Um, I think the conflict we're feeling with this Rami Malek character is that they're trying to do both at the same time. It is simple, but they're also trying. It's also trying to contrive and 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 explain away itself. Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of what monologuing villains do. Yeah, yeah. It's like it. There's nothing. There's nothing quite like that James Bond villain of. All right, now that I've now that I've got you, right? Even I got you at gunpoint, I'm going to talk at you while you figure out a way out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, like, maybe that's exactly it, right? Like, I kind of just want to be here for the ride. I know, you know, James Bond's gonna get out of this because he's now about to go out like a chump, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, maybe that's why it it feels extra weird, just because like it means there's padding in the wrong places, right? It's just I I I kind of want to take my hands off the wheel and just go for go for a ride, you know. Yes. Which is you know once again it's like partially why the Anadarma scene once again feels like the best part of the movie, just because does it really make perfect sense why everything's set up that way? Not really. Like who is she before that? We don't really know. Why did she just leave so abruptly? Oh. But she, man, which those fifteen minutes though were fucking fire. <laughs> so fun like absolutely like hilarious mm-hmm. there were plenty of times in this movie where i was laughing out loud and there were plenty yeah. of times in this movie where i felt tension um and enjoyed action and mm-hmm. you know to your point even felt emotion like with the scene with q and like when when bond was confronting m and why m was a fuck up mm-hmm. like i enjoyed that um yeah there are moments where the chemistry is really loud to show my favorite thing is just that all these characters are the most petty people they are everyone is so petty with each other it's like even down to uh bond and the new 007 right like they are petty with each other in the exact same way that in some ways i feel like i could read into oh yeah that's why m probably told her she's 007 because you know m's like i'm gonna be so fucking petty i'm gonna give her the call sign so that she can then go like kind of uh push his nose in it so that he could be properly bothered (laughs) just (laughs) it just keeps going like i can imagine these characters Mm -hmm. doing that for no other reason than just i'm gonna annoy you absolutely i could see m doing that there Mm -hmm. is one thing i didn't like about that plot though what I didn't like the part plot where she gave him back the the number. Ah, uh, yeah. I thought it it's, was so stupid. It's fan servicey, right? I hated it. Uh <laughs> cuz he was like you've earned the title. Mhm. Right? Um and she has earned the title. Mhm. And then she's like, "Now I don't want it." 
Yeah. You get it back. And they never call him 007 after the fact. They're just like, sure, he is. And they never use it for him. They mm-hmm. always refer to Nomi as 007. Mm-hmm. Even yeah. after that. And I'm just like, why did we have this scene? Cut it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just Bond from that point on. Right. And at the end of the day, that's what matters. Is like this character is James Bond, and that's the whole point of the period, end of sentence, end of series for Daniel Craig, right? Yeah. Because yeah, totally. 007 and James Bond are going to go on, but this is the James Bond at the moment, right? Yeah. Um. This is the... You see, we have to retire Daniel Craig because the war on terror is over now, Michael. <laughs> we need... <laughs> We can't do it. It has to be yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. We need woke secret services from now on to carry out uh, state uh, agents of the state violence. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, maybe this is worth addressing for a hot second, but it is like the the ultimate silliness of the whole question. I joke with you before the, these movies, like James Bond movies really are peak of like people misunderstanding the point of like representation and whatnot, because it's like, what if James Bond made out with brown women instead? <laughs> Mm-hmm. which that's not how these movies end of course but like the notion of like who james bond is is this kind of like narcissistic patriotic dream that there's this suave older man of the uh of the like state. of the state and that just goes around stopping bad guys from taking over the world bad guys specifically from other countries yes normally russia mm-hmm and putting putting any other person, no matter what uh, background they might come from, in that position doesn't make that not what it is. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just it just feels so silly, right? Hence why Daniel Craig's like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. <laughs> now we're about to make like Kylo Ren here because like we just maybe these movies we could just do different spy shit. We can just do other fun shit with, with the spy genre, right? Right. So like, yeah. And maybe that's just part of the whole nature of like what James Bond is and who James Bond is, because it'll always be a little bit of, uh, how should I say, I'm trying to think of a, a stronger word than fan service, which is just, yeah, this man, you know, he just goes around dealing out justice, having sex with ladies and just stopping bad guys. What more do you want? Beats <laughs> up a bunch of people. Psh, say no more. <laughs> Drinks a bunch of alcohol all the time. Drinks a bunch Never- of alcohol. Never gets any form of liver or kidney problems. Yeah, also, like, it's one of those things, too, where, like, when... This is maybe, to the film's credit, I'll give it, that, like, they do... The camera does seem like they're the they're a little horny for James Bond. Because, like, there's that scene where he's stepping out of the shower at the beginning of the film. And oh, I, I like, remember. Oh, we, like, we kind of almost saw his dick, like... Is it like that Batman scene from that one Batman comic? Oh, the Bat-Dick controversy! <laughs> I haven't thought about that in a while. It's like that. It's just like that scene. It's like, you you do know how this is gay, right? <laughs> you do see how you really wanted to draw this and write this and see this and other people who really want to see. You see how that's gay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, that's a full <laughs> service of like, yeah, let, like, why not, right? Right. E- even though like, I remember people joking with the bat dick. <laughs> like, if you look at the size, my man's rocket like fucking eight inch plastic dick. He's not uh, a he he's he he's a shower, not a grower. I guess so. Uh. But that's that's Batman. We're talking about James Bond here. But anyway, yes, there 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 definitely is a is a queer perspective to the to the camera angle angles here. Absolutely. Yeah. There's not wrong with that. <laughs> totally, totally. I say this in that in the, in the, the the spectrum of like I, I Daniel Craig is attractive. He's very hot. No, yes. you know, not going to disagree with that. And, the whole point it, of this movie is that he has very stunningly blue eyes. <laughs> that is a plot true. point in this movie. <laughs> He's like he's got these beautiful blue eyes, and they're going to make you look at him all throughout these movies, and you're going to constantly wonder, damn, are Daniel Craig's eyes really that blue? <laughs> <laughs> god he's so beautiful yeah yeah so i don't know all this to say it's just it's just what james it, it, james bond continues to be the same problem that james bond has always been even in this finality sense but i suppose we're getting a time here joe 
What are your wrap-up thoughts on Daniel Craig as James Bond and No Time to Die as a whole? Oh, gosh. Um, is Daniel Craig a champion? Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig? <laughs> yes, he is a champion. Absolutely. 100%. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, mm-hmm. glorious champion. Is James Bond a champion? Um, is Daniel Craig's James Bond a champion? I'm going to say yes, but not because of oh, No okay. Time to Die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, because of Skyfall. Um, <laughs> I found him really interesting in that movie. And so as a whole, I'm going to say, yeah, in No Time to Die, probably not mm-hmm. as a character. And that's and that's no fault of Daniel Craig, obviously. It's just like you pointed out, they tried to do a bit too much. They really mm-hmm. do want to make this the full the James Bond movie with everything that enco- encompasses the tropes of this of the entire series and what we know of Daniel Craig's version. Yeah. And I think we kind of lose sight a little bit on what this is trying to say about this character. Yeah. That being said, it's very cool. Yeah. It's very fun. There are, there are laugh out loud moments. There are heartbreaking moments. There are incredible, there's some incredible action. Um, but there are some goofy moments for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. The Felix stuff is great. Um, Yeah, the added armor stuff is great. Like I said, laugh out loud, but but there's a lot in between that's kind of messy. Yeah, and, and to a point where I'm like, is this over yet? Yeah. So you know, like I said before, I'm gonna give it three and a half because I think there's a lot of wonderful craft that went into this movie, and I think there are a lot of great moments. But um, if you're not a fan of James Bond, and you similarly to me have only seen Skyfall, and you're just mm-hmm. going to watch this movie, you might not enjoy it as much. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, Michael? Yeah, I mean, I am going to put James Bond on the bench after this After this movie. I'm going to give him a, a no. I will give Daniel Craig absolutely a, a champion belt because he seems like a wonderful, he seems like a wonderful man. You know, shout out to him. Uh, just being very tired and being very over the role. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I say this because I, I, it's one of those weird spaces that, like, in how we rate champions of like, do I think there's interesting stuff about this character? Yes, I do. Do I think he does anything? <laughs> do I do I want to give him the champion belt? Not really, because weirdly, there there's something that endears me to him because every now and then, my my brother will, my my older brother, uh, my middle brother will do is that he'll jokingly tell me about how like if he were an action movie, he would behave this way. And every single time he does this type of little hypothetical with me, I imagine that this is what it looks like. Just a really buff guy going around <laughs> punching out bad guys. So, like, there's there's part of me that sees this as, like, at least a unique interpretation of Bond. And I definitely like the action in these movies a lot more just because I, I like this style of fighting and uh, just, like, action set pieces. But, man, man, it is so long. It is so long. Get an editor. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I want these movies to be like popcorn movies, right? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of looking to turn my brain off a little bit and just relax. And this movie's trying to kind of engage me in ways which, like, you don't have you don't have the chips to cash in for this. <laughs> wow. Real Casino throw out, uh, Royale throwback there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, just, yeah. That's these that's these Bond movies in a nutshell. Maybe that's why partially why I'm like leaning towards the do we really need another James Bond? Are we probably gonna do another James Bond movie on this podcast? Probably not. But it's just what it is, right? Unless it's really fucking cool. Yeah. Franchises and fandoms always will exist after this, so like I know he'll be back and he'll be rebooted, but we have so it goes, right? Yeah. We'll see if Idris Elba gets the role. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for us this week on Champion Casters. What are we doing next week, Joe? Next week, we're doing Lori from mm-hmm. Halloween Kills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, we are doing exactly one spooky movie this month, and so we decided to do this new movie, which uh, I'm a someone who's who's unfortunately seen all those Halloween movies. It'll be it'll be uh, it'll be a time. Michael, you've seen uh, H2O? Yeah. Wow. Impressive. No, it's not. (laughs) I I know the movie isn't, but I'm impressed with you for sitting through it. 
Yeah, I've seen Busta Rhymes kick Michael Myers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that is a sentence. <laughs> Trick or treat. Uh, <laughs> Trick or treat, listeners. Well, we look forward to talking about uh, our very uh, spooky Michael Myers next week. But until then, make sure to watch out for any Poison Gardens and Remy Malik coming at you with a mask. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of Champion Casters. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at champion underscore cast. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at championcasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to give thanks to the following. Shan Theobald for our logo artwork. Adam Renroe for our intro and outro music. Joseph Tomlin for managing our social media. And Michael Ruiz for editing our episodes. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me at twitter.com and Instagram at joke Tomlin. That is J-O-U-K-T-O-M-L-I-N. Thanks again for listening, everyone.